Our scripture lesson for the sermon today as we are preparing to observe the sacrament of the Lord's Supper brings us back to John chapter 6 where I've been preaching when we've come to the sacrament. We'll be reading today verses 41 through 51. So this is the word of the Lord as he gave to the Apostle John. So we have it recorded by the superintendents of the Holy Spirit, and therefore it is written without error, as John wrote it. So we now have the word of the living God in John 6, verses 41 through 51. The Jews then complained about him, because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever, and the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. This ends the reading of God's holy word for us at this time, and may he bless its reading and its proclamation and its hearing. As I mentioned the last several times we've observed the Lord's Supper, we heard from God's word in John chapter 6, as Jesus taught that he is the food which endures to everlasting life, the true bread from heaven, the bread of God, the bread of life. And in today's reading, Jesus wraps up all of those teachings together somewhat uh, by calling himself the living bread. So in this morning's sermon, I'm going to show first how Jesus brings all of those concepts together of being the food which endures and the bread from heaven and the bread of God and the bread of life. He's going to uh, bring those things together, so we'll talk about that first. And then we'll consider uh, what the expression living bread means. So first of all, how does Jesus bring all of these teachings together as he concludes this portion of, of Scripture here when he calls himself the living bread? Well, the passage begins with uh, John telling us that many began to complain. Literally, they began to murmur because Jesus had said, I am the bread come down from heaven. So this uh, incited murmuring against Jesus. People, you can imagine them maybe grumbling a little bit and you can hear the crowd murmuring, what does he mean by that? How dare he say that he came down from heaven? Remember, by the way, that by using the particular construction that he uses of I am, Jesus is claiming 
to be Yahweh. He is claiming to be the Lord God. I am come down out of heaven. Theologically and biblically astute listeners probably caught that. And they would have considered it blasphemy if they didn't realize who Jesus really was. And they would be wondering how he could dare to make such a claim. Others who maybe missed the fact that he was using a particular construction that that, uh, indicated that he was calling himself by the name of God, others, maybe if they missed that, would still have taken notice that he seemingly uh, is making the outrageous claim that he came from heaven. So whether they recognize that he's saying he's God or not, they still recognize the the, uh, outrageous, apparently outrageous claim that he came from heaven. So John tells us the Jews then complained about him. They murmured about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Basically, they're saying, we know this guy. We know who his parents are. How can he claim to have come from heaven? We can find people who changed his diapers. We can can talk to people who know that this guy did, did not come from heaven, right? He came into the world the same way the rest of us did, right? Well, of course, you and I know the beginning of the gospel according to John which tells us the Word was God and the Word was with God from all eternity, and then He became flesh. So He was always God, and He then, at a time in history, took on human nature and dwelt among us. And so those people who could remember Him growing up or who knew His parents, His earthly parents, uh, didn't realize, perhaps, that that didn't keep him from being the Lord God, born as one of us. Jesus' answer to those who murmur about him culminates in a statement in verse 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall offer is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Calling himself the living bread is is the high point, so to speak, of this uh, interaction with these people and his reiteration of these metaphors that he's used for himself already in this chapter in John 6. In verse 27, he had called himself the food which endures to everlasting life. And in verse 47, he states again, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. And in verse 51, he says, if anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. So again, everlasting life. Clear connection to the statement that he is the food which endures. In verse 32, he called himself the true bread from heaven. And in verse 49, here in this latter part of the passage, and 50, he says, Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. So again, he's saying, I'm the bread come down from heaven. In Verse 33, he called himself the bread of God, saying, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. In verse 51, he says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. So again, there's the connection to his being the bread of God. In verse 
35, he called himself the bread of life. In verse 48, he again says, I am the bread of life. So he's uh, bringing all of these statements together again now. And all of these ideas then culminate in his statement in verse 51, I am the living bread. So now we see how he brings all of those things together in this concept of him being the living bread. Well, what is meant then by living bread in addition to it meeting all of these other things we've seen? Well, the first quick and obvious application is that he's alive. He's living bread. He's not dead bread like that which we might bake in an oven and eat, like the bread made for uh, Israel or that Israel made from the manna that God gave them in the wilderness. That was dead bread in the sense it wasn't something living at the time when they ate it. Secondly, we can see that this refers to his being spiritual bread as opposed to natural or physical bread which solves part of the problem that we'll see, Lord willing, later on, that people had when they left him. They walked away because he said you have to eat his, his flesh and drink his blood. Because we're not talking about here a literal eating of his physical body. You might recall that we recently read in 1 Corinthians 2.14, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. A person can only feed on this living bread if he or she is not still dead in trespasses and sins. You have to be alive in the Spirit. Jesus teaches this in verse 43 and 44 here, where he says, Jesus therefore, actually John says this, Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. If I were preaching systematically through the gospel according to John, that verse would probably get its own sermon. For today, I note that it takes the action of God first to bring a man or a woman from spiritual death to spiritual life. And only then can that person feed upon Christ. Jesus quotes Isaiah 54, verse 13, which literally says, The children of God's bride, Israel, the church, shall be taught by God. He says, It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. The Father speaks... His elect then respond by His grace and they come to Christ. So it's clear we're talking here about coming to spiritual life. They have been born in the flesh, now they're born again. And so the bread which sustains that life must be spiritual bread. So we're not talking again about literally eating something with our physical bodies. It's not bread we can consume with teeth and digestive tract but it's bread that we receive spiritually. A third thing we see is that this living bread comes from God, who is the source of life. Verse 46, Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. 
He has seen the Father. Jesus, the living bread, came from God. And so, this bread is the one that comes from the source of all life. It makes him living bread. Fourth, the living bread is received by faith. It's not a physical bread received by the work of the flesh, either by the labor of our hands or by just the the physical act of picking it up to eat it or by kneading it or doing any of the things that we would do if we were making bread. But spiritual bread received by faith. Verse 47, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Which brings us then to our fifth application of the meaning of living bread. Living bread gives everlasting life. It's not dead bread to be consumed by a body that will die, but it is living bread that gives everlasting life. Verses 47 through 50, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. In other words, they had asked, if you recall, at the beginning of this passage, give us manna, right? (laughs) They basically said, God gave manna from heaven. We saw you feed all of these people. uh, We've seen you feed the thousands that were gathered. It wasn't just the 5,000, but really there would have been with women and children, maybe fifteen or 20,000 people that he fed with with just uh, five loaves and two fish. And they're saying, give us more. Keep feeding us that we might not labor for our food. Give us manna. God gave us manna. Actually, they say Moses gave us manna. And he says, well, it wasn't really Moses who gave the manna. But he says, here your fathers ate that manna. And where are they now? They're still dead. He says, this is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. We can only hope to have everlasting life in this living bread. In verse 51, if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Lastly, by calling himself the living bread, Jesus is pointing to his atoning death and resurrection. Obviously, it's living bread, so it doesn't stay dead. But in verse 51, he says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. He will give his flesh, his body, his earthly life, his human life, for the life of the world. In other words, so that the world will not be utterly destroyed by God's wrath, which is righteous against its sin, God is preserving a people for himself. And he can only justly preserve them. He can't wink at sin. He can only justly preserve them because he is a just God if the penalty for their sins is paid. And if they're not to pay that penalty themselves and be cast away from the Lord forever, it has to be paid in full by a sinless substitute. Jesus is saying, I'm that sinless substitute. I will give my earthly life, my human life, for the life of my people. His atoning death is what grants that he can be the living bread that gives everlasting life. For we cannot have everlasting life unless the penalty for our sins is paid. As we've already noted, 
It's living bread, which also implies that if he gives his life, he cannot stay dead, as he tells his disciples in the same gospel. I will lay down my life for my sheep and take it up again. His resurrection is implied, therefore, in verse 51. The bread, which is his flesh, his body is not dead, but living bread. Well, that atoning death, which was followed by his resurrection, is what the Lord's Supper points to. 1 Corinthians 11.26, As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. The elements we consume are not Christ's physical body and blood. Those are in heaven. He rose from the dead. He ascended to heaven. He still has a true human nature that's limited to being in one place at one time. But as God, of course, he is everywhere. And we come to feed spiritually on the living bread who is Christ. Christ is alive and he is reigning from heaven. His human body is at the right hand of God. But as God, Christ is spiritually present everywhere and specially and graciously present in this sacrament. The bread that those who partake consume with our bodies today points to the living bread. It's not the actual living bread, but it points to that living bread that we cannot see. We can't see it, we can't feel it, we can't smell it or taste it, but this will point to that true and living bread. And it is a bread that is spiritually consumed by all who have faith in Christ Jesus. It feeds only those whom God has given life in the Spirit. You can't feed a dead man. It's received not by the works of our bodies as we lift this bread to our lips and that cup to our mouths, but it's received by faith. It gives everlasting life by means of Christ's atoning death. And we know that that death was effective because we also know that he rose again from the dead. That God would not let his Holy One see corruption. And he is alive to this day. So I exhort you now, feed on the living bread. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for having sent your Son into the world to die that we might live. So we ask that you would help us ever to feed on that living bread that we might indeed have everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.